0: In the most divisive of times, the great debates rage on who was the best Batman? Was the book truly better than the movie? Did Han shoot first? Nerds with opinions will seek to answer life's greatest questions. Hello there, fellow nerds. You are listening to Nerds with Opinions, episode number 114. As always, I'm your host, Matt Holman. Today on the podcast, I am joined by my guests, all returning guests, Jimmy Levins, Amanda Murphy, Rachel Herzog, and Brandon Kester, as we break down and review in depth the latest installment to the Scream franchise, Scream 2022, aka Scream 5. This will definitely be chock full of spoilers because we're going to go in depth with it. So if you haven't seen Scream 5 yet, stop, watch that, and then come back. If you have already, then proceed forward and enjoy. And then at the end of the podcast, we are ranking the entire Scream franchise, Scream 1 through 5, and just giving our thoughts on... Where Scream 5 stacked up against the others, and what's the tippy top of Scream, and what's at the very bottom? All of that and more, here today, on Nerds with Opinions. Alright, we are live. I am back. We are back! Oh my God, we're back again. Uh, a long hiatus, but a new uh, Nerds of the Pinyons recording is happening, and I am joined by returning guests Brandon Kester. His mic's not hey, on. Solid <laughs> <Salt>
1: start. Gotta <laughs> get the gears, get the gears oiled again. Uh, oh, yeah. And that was Jimmy Levin's. You just heard. Yep. First, first episode back of 2022. Oh
0: yeah. Rachel Herzog. Hey there. And Amanda Murphy. Hello. All right. All those other ones were a little smoother than uh, than Brandon, so
2: we, we, we rallied. Sorry, I was sleeping. <laughs>
0: that uh, hey, That's on brand. That's on brand. We are here talking about Scream 5, or as it was marketed, Scream, which is we, we got to talk about that, That that's kind of like a current trend where uh, reboots or um, oh, What do they call it in this gosh dang it the the oh, requels Requels yep. oh, yeah. uh, now are doing this this interesting trend where they're dropping the numbering and um, so we'll have to talk about that but Scream 5 we all went and saw it in theaters uh, after having done a Scream 1 podcast and then I think everybody here uh, then went on and watched 234 on their own and we re- reconvened in a theater, had a great old time and we thought we would review Scream 5 so spoilers are going to be coming ahead because I don't think that we can review this movie without talking, It the, yeah, there's too much Absolutely. of it tied into the reveal of who the killer would yeah. be, be like were. a 10 minute um, podcast. Right. And then we're going to rank the Scream series as is. I think the, you know, five movies is, is totally doable. It's, it's not a huge, 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 long thing. So, uh, going right into it, we went and saw this in theaters. Uh, I just want to quickly just, uh, gauge the room was this, I think Rachel, you said this is the first time you've been in the movie theaters, uh, in a really long time, or am I remembering that incorrectly?
3: Uh, the last time we went to a movie in theaters, we saw Frozen 2 with Lincoln.
0: Okay, so, yeah. With All right. That's what I thought. Uh, was this anybody else's uh, first movie in a really long time?
2: Yeah, I don't really go to the theater that much. So, um, plus COVID on top yeah. of that. It's been a couple years probably.
1: For me. Yeah, as a former uh, like staff member of the movie theater... I didn't always trust the staff to do their job because I'll admit, like when I'm overworked when working at Ashton Street Cinema, rest in peace. Uh, like if I'm working ticket booth, popcorn, and cleaning theaters, I'm gonna have to cut corners on one of those things. So I was a little skeptical of how cleanly things ha- would be. Uh, but I think tinsman P- has been doing a good job. But like uh I-, I I've been very selective on how often I go. I'll admit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mine's been um, pretty few and far between. Um And so I haven't. I've missed more movies than I've seen. But I, uh, I had been um, somewhat recently. I had seen Spider Man No Way Home. uh, Was the most recent. But I think before then, uh, Murphy and I went to a movie together with uh, Heather, in Eugene, and that was a while ago now. So.
4: Yeah, that was October, um, and that had been the first time I had been to the theater since the onset of COVID. So.
0: This I think was fun to go um, see in theaters. I think horror movies are are peak like theater going experiences. Although you can have fun watching them at home uh, with friends or what what but uh, the in theater experience was is uh, nice. There were some jerks, uh, kind of noisy, noisy youngsters, but <laughs> otherwise it was uh, pretty good. So kicking it around the room. Just judging off of the, like, did anybody watch trailers for this or did it, did y'all go in cold? Okay, we got Jimmy watched trailers, everybody else went in cold. Okay, cool. Um, So, but did you all at least know that, like, the uh, three, like, OG cast members were coming back for this?
4: That was, was assumed. Yeah, that it was, was the minimum I went in knowing was that there were a few characters from the originals that were gonna be in it.
2: Okay. I, okay, I didn't cool. know for sure, but I would have been surprised if they weren't there I, in some capacity.
1: Yeah, I kind of had to binge the sequels pretty quickly before the fifth one. And so I would say seeing the trailer of the fifth one kind of gave me hints of what would happen in three and four that I hadn't seen yet. Cause, cause like usually you always kind of wonder, oh, what's gonna happen? Who's gonna come back? Who's gonna still be there? Like, You don't know until you see the movie right and i'm pr- I, they're pretty fresh like i binged three and four prior than the day before the fifth one so having uh most of us
0: here like seen uh number four fairly recent going into five did all of you kind of feel like okay there's a this is a justifiable sequel and not in a like a, a situation kind of like a the new, the newest Matrix, for instance, where a lot of people are like, I don't know how this is gonna work. Um, after leaving the fourth one, did it did it seem like okay? Yeah, like there there could be more story to tell. Like this, this seems fine that we're doing a, another sequel.
4: Uh, I wasn't entirely sure how they were going to do it and keep it like to have it be fresh and original storyline because they've at this you know once you get to this many you, and they're kind of following a, a fairly standard process you're kind of like or formula and then you're kind of like well where where are they really going to be able to go with this again um,
3: but I think they did very well in, in keeping it fresh so I always wonder with a movie series this long are they going to start ignoring installments like are they going to say and
0: retconning yeah
3: yeah or like you know no, we're just going to ignore number three because it was super weird and we don't know what was going on um, but I don't think they have and it was really interesting but it was still an enjoyable movie with like all these different stabby people in their past. And it was still scary.
1: Okay. And, and, and I think the other films kind of set the tone for kind of the what's expected. And I guess, because the, the cast all, have always come back for the, like, at least most of the actors, just, no one's ever like really left because they all just enjoyed the experience. And so I feel like the fifth one kind of set that standard of like, oh, this is going to be a positive, good experience. Uh, every actor is going to get a lot of nice, juicy material like something to incentivize them to come back. And so I feel like that one kind of at least, but in terms of like expectation level after four, I was, I'll admit like after I saw, like, I didn't see the sequels until recently. So when the fourth one originally came out in 2011, I'm like, without having seen any Scream film at that time, my first reaction was, oh, why would they do that? Then having seen the context of two and one and two, I remember a soundbite where I did in the horror uh, podcast miniseries we did with Matt and Craig, where I kind of said on a two off between get out and scream, I was like, well, I'd rather see the films that get out will inspire versus the films that scream will inspire saying that without really having context of what two, three, and four were kind of encapsulating now having seen five, I'm like, okay, now I can see that. Like, it's a lot more of a, there is more room to add. There is kind of this, it, it can only give what we give it. It can only give back what we give it, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, like that's kind of what it did. Like it's a reaction to the films like Get Out and a bunch of other like horror, f- The um, what was the word that one of the characters used to describe a heightened horror or like atmospheric horror? What was the? Uh, oh, shoot. I can't remember. Was it existential horror? Existential horror. Cause <laughs> I will admit I'm that, I, I'm basically, I have spoken the same way she has in that movie. where like, oh, I like films like The Witch and um, The Lighthouse and um, all these other like films when it comes to like, when someone were to say, do you like Scream or not like Scream? And I'm like, oh, I like Scream, but I prefer The Witch. Um, so I, I, I kind of felt jabbed out a little bit when they had that quote. <laughs> I thought it was funny commentary, though.
3: <laughs> I, I I felt very proud that I recognized the titles um, because of coming over to your house, Matt, and watching all the scary movies.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Most of the ones that she was referencing, it was like, oh, okay, I kind of understand what she's saying. If, if this had been a couple years ago, me trying to watch this, I would have been like, yeah, those sound super ooky. Cool. <laughs>
2: so, yeah, I don't think any oh, of
4: the... No, sorry. Uh, I don't think any of the Scream sequels were bad enough for me to like be mad about them making another one. Yeah.
0: Or there wasn't any, uh, to me, I, I was pumped when I heard this was coming out because there wasn't like, you know, a thing where it's like, yeah, they absolutely killed off the lead in the last movie. Like, how are they going to, you know, write their way out of this? There really wasn't that. Um, it's, you know, it's plausible and especially like where, we pick up with these people's lives and the fact that they're not exactly the main focus, I think, um, exactly. Cindy Prescott,
4: yeah. Sydney Prescott totally could have been dead and this film still would have been okay. Like, yes. Just,
0: so let, let's actually get into that. Like basically where this story starts off, um, very much, you know, paying homage to the first one, it starts off just Right off the bat with a kill that is, uh, very reminiscent of the Casey Becker kill in, uh, scream one. And, uh, and, you know, then, you know, we open up with, uh, basically a, a presumed kill, but then, um, the character Tara, she survives this and, we then get introduced to her and her group of friends and the friend group also kind of reflects the original friend group from scream one. But pretty soon we find out that nearly all of them have some sort of relation to either people that were victims of, uh, in the prior films or, uh, there's the character Wes, his mother was the uh, deputy in the fourth one. And then there is uh, the, excuse me. Um, what's the one girl's name? The sister, Ooh, I'm trying to find it, um, Sam. Sam, uh, she is a half sister to Tara, the girl that gets attacked in the beginning. And Tara isn't aware of this. <laughs> And it's revealed that Sam's uh, father is one Billy Loomis and uh, she is the illegitimate child of Billy Loomis, one of the killers from uh, the first one. So there is a relation to all these past characters um, and the dynamics are very, very similar. Uh, There's also two twins that their uncle was Randy Meeks from um, number one and number two played by Jamie Kennedy. And then more attacks, more murders happen, and this group of kids then reaches out to the the old school and uh, Dewey Riley, played by David Arquette, and then um, Sidney Prescott and Gail Weathers, played by Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox, then get involved as well, and we kind of have a new school, old school sort of team up, and I think that's a good just like overview of, of, of how the, uh, the film goes, let's start off with this group of friends and the, the kind of the new school that arguably the film centers more around them, uh, especially the Sam character and the Tara character than even the, the old school, um, characters, which I, I think, like we mentioned earlier, good move, good move. And then another big player is, uh, Richie played by Jack Quaid of the boys fame. And he is the boyfriend of Sam, and he's kind of seemingly along for the ride. Um, let's talk about that uh, that main cast and those kids. Like I said, to me, they they reflected, I think, the the um, friend dynamics from the first group. Or is, was I the only one that thought that?
2: Yeah, no, they definitely even mirrored that friend group setup in the beginning with the everybody sitting in the school courtyard. Yes. kind of scene. And they, they got me to just sit there and wonder like, okay, what is one of these people, the killer, just like two of them were in the first movie, you know? Well,
0: and they even have that kind of conversation about like, Oh, well, you could be the fucking killer. Like,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, very I mean,
4: similar. Also I have to do a shout out to the fact that they had an alkaline trio song in that scene and it made me really happy.
0: They did. Yes. Yes.
1: Well, I think the whole like kind of theme, like, kind of like you said it's about like the whole theme of a uh, relation whether it's like you're connected to a familial relation or relation to the previous movie. And there is both kind of a dual kind of text combination of that with these, with this kind of main cast. Like they have a relation not only to the literal previous cast, but also to the movie itself as giving a relation to the other movie. So it, it kind of plays within the rules of the requel, I guess you could say like, uh, like the rules of a horror film, in this case, the rules, the requel, which I never heard the word requel until this movie. I love it. It's very apropos.
4: Yeah, I do like, cause they do a lot of uh, references to the first movie, obviously. I mean, it's kind of that screams formula um, oh. or references to horror movies. And, uh, but I do like that. It kind of ties in that the references aren't necessarily don't necessarily feel as heavy handed because they bring in the familial ties. So uh, it kind of creates that connection a little bit better.
0: Yeah. And I think that's masterfully done with the, the twins because um Mindy, the, the girl in the uh, brother and sister pairing, she uh, is kind of like a reflection of her uncle. She knows the rules is just basically kind of like, Laying it all out in terms of like calling out the horror movie tropes. Um, And and then what's interesting is like that's almost a opposite of her brother who like he's the typical sort of jock uh, ladies man kind of um, character. So they have like all all those like stereotypical character tropes that are are in these uh, movies, but they're not. I feel like they're not heavy handed Um, and they're also like, I think pretty contemporary, like the, I think the casting was a lot more um, inclusive than, than in like, or, you know, or there was somewhat inclusive casts in in the, the previous ones, but they were a bit more tokenized. So I think this one is, if it feels a little more natural and yeah. in its inclusivity.
1: If their uncle Randy was kind of still alive, I wonder how he'd feel like, oh, my, my niece and nephew are quote unquote like, like how would he feel if he found out his niece and nephew were basically like the essential like horror movie trope characters that he basically would like predict would it like die off first in the movie. I think he would get like on that. well with
0: Mindy because she was yeah. like him. She was, she was pretty, yeah. pretty smart. Like, like I was like,
1: I was kind of like wondering, well, from beyond the grave, would he be like, Oh shit, my nephew's a jock. He's going to die. Oh my God. <laughs> they're, they're, they're both like people of color and they're the jock. They're going to die. Totally. Yes. It's sort of like, I'm wondering yeah. like what he would say if he was giving commentary, uh, if it, if it was him in the first screen, movie, basically.
0: For sure. Um, and then there's, very much like some of the other like character uh, character grouping dynamics of the other films, you have the more mysterious kind of outlier characters, where it's they're part of the group, but it, they're immediately kind of just put in there so the audience questions them. Uh, questions them. There's the character of Liv, who is kind of the I I guess kind of the ditzy, not super nice girl of the group, and then. Wes is the cop's son Um, and they they're kind of always kind of questioning him. And then uh there's the character of Amber who she's closest with Tara. And then that very, very much felt kind of like uh, we talked about this with Scream 1 where there's this group, but then there's closer relationships, you know, with with pairings within the group. And so we have that with the, the twins. We have that with amber and tara um
4: and they talk about too with um wes and the twins uh that sam used to babysit them when they were younger so like yes. it's they all kind of grew up together that closer group
0: well and didn't she i think she i think they said that she like babysat all of them because i think she babysat wes as well
4: yeah wes and the twins maybe amber as well but she kind of like her, her high to Amber was kind of like less high. I like you. And it was kind of like your person.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this leads into where this movie goes. Let's talk about the, the Amber and Tara relationship because that's immediately weird right off the bat because Amber is extremely territorial over her. Um, They have a kind of a red herring in this where you almost think it's like a romantic infatuation, or at least that's what I thought. I thought, okay, I think she's in love with Tara. Um, Turns out that's not quite it. But uh, let's talk about that, because to me, that that kind of threw me. Um, I can't speak for everybody else, but it it threw me off the scent, just her being weirdly infatuated with her, because I was every time I was convinced that, like, it's just a. Uh, a crush or an overprotective friend or something like that then I would flip and be like oh no she's definitely the killer but then I would talk myself out of it any thoughts on Amber and Tara's relationship in this
4: uh, yeah I definitely agree with that as far as it throwing you off the scent really well um, and I don't like I their, their relationship was just so weird. And I really didn't like Amber from the beginning. And I think that's because of how they set up that relationship and her being super territorial. So I kind of flipped back and forth between wanting her to die and then also maybe thinking she might be the killer. So it was a it was a hard
3: line. They did really well in the beginning where uh, when Tara's on the phone with the killer, then the killer is threatening Amber. So you kind of yes. end caring about her before you meet her and realize she's so fucking weird. So it gives you a chance to like, she's a thing that we care about and that sticks with you a little bit longer than maybe it would if they hadn't included that.
0: Good point. Good
4: care point. is a strong word, Rachel. <laughs>
2: yeah. There, there are a couple of things that happened early in the movie too, that are big pointers to who the actual killers are. One is that video call um, coming from what seems like Amber's phone Mm -hmm. and then um, also the, the door locking scene at the very beginning with Tara, where somebody keeps unlocking her doors via some, some IOT type app. Um, So once you get to the point where you realize who the killers are, it makes a lot more sense that like, Oh no, they weren't they weren't necessarily hacking her. They already had access to Yeah,
0: the all excuse of these is things. that Amber's phone was cloned. Um, and that, that that's right. what they say uh right off the bat. Um, but t- I think the other interesting thing about Amber's characterization and how they wrote it, it also provides the um kind of a vehicle for the main source of conflict between Sam and Tara as our two Hmm. hero characters, because it's, you know, there's already some weirdness between them because Sam took off in her younger years and kind of left Tara in a, they don't get super into it. It sounds like mom's an alcoholic. Dad was not in the picture that that's, that's what I gleaned from it. And, you know, they kind of had to take care of themselves. And then when Sam dips out, Tara had to take care of herself and became close with Amber. Um, And then it's revealed that why Sam did that is because she found out that her mom had uh, had a little fling with uh, Billy Loomis in high school. And Sam was the offspring uh, of a serial killer.
2: By the way, can I say what a hypocrite Billy Loomis is for fooling around on uh, Sydney while he's, uh, actively like killing her mom for fooling around with his dad. Like, what a hypocrite! Yeah,
0: yeah, for real. <laughs> um, and then the other layer of this is Sam has had some uh mental health issues and she has visions of her dead homicidal father, and so she removed herself because she was worried she was going to turn into him. She removed herself away from Tara out of love, but. Amber's there just fucking just driving that wedge in between them. Yeah, yeah. Just right in uh, Tara's ear. And I think that was the other thing that kind of threw me off the, the scent from... I guess we can say it, she's one of the killers. Um, And it threw me off the scent because she seemed more antagonistic in a... um. In that, in like that sense, like oh, she's just there to provide um, contention between our two main characters, and nothing, lo- nothing less, uh, n- nothing more, nothing less. Um, it, yeah, it threw me that she was actually the killer. So she's just a fucking agent of chaos, just all, all around. Like, not only am I killing all these people, I'm just gonna ruin their their sibling relationship.
2: Complete sociopath.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. Yeah. She is like the 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 psycho of of uh, mm-hmm. of the group of killers. Um, so uh, and let's let's get right into the the uh, the other uh, killer and all this, because th- that kind of rounds out the, the new school characters for the most part. Um, Richie is along for the ride the whole entire time. And they did, I think, a really good job at writing his character to be, I think, fairly unassuming and inconspicuous. Um, and he is kind of also acts as like the, I'm not going in there, there's a fucking murderer, you know, like the the, the kind of the voice of reason, the, um, the prophet they're, of doom, you know, like, we, we can't be doing this, we're gonna get killed, like that kind of character. Um, yeah,
4: they, like, make you care about him and want him to survive because he's actually being smart.
0: <laughs> well, and then he's likable, too. Uh, right. He's very funny. And he genuinely seems like he's, even though he's, you know, the whole time he's like, let's get the hell out of here. It's out. of It seems like it's out of care for Sam. And then once he's introduced to Tara, it's out of care for Tara. Um, and. Again, I think, like, I'm just going to speak. On behalf of myself. I didn't really suspect him until it was right about the time that um it you know it was revealed that he was the second killer. Um which was ooh, there was something that
3: tipped that for me. What's that? that There was something that tipped that he was the killer for me earlier. Um what was that? When they are in the hospital and Tara's been attacked for I don't know, second or third time at this point. And um, the elevator doors, they're trying to get to the elevator to get out. And uh, Ghostface is on the floor behind them. And they're trying to leave all of them. Um, Richie is kind of looking behind them and staring at Ghostface. And I just was watching his facial expressions. And it didn't seem like fearful or cautious. It was like curious or maybe even a little like concerned almost. And I was like, that's a weird look to have on your face. Maybe you're just not paying attention to it, Mm. but but yeah, there was so much going on in that scene and you probably shouldn't have been looking at him. You should have been looking at the two main characters bleeding profusely, but yeah, I just caught a, a glance at his shitty little face, but yeah, that was cool. It was well, well acted.
2: They, they make him seem much more innocent too, by starting him off in a different city. Uh, because he and Sam are living somewhere else and an attack happens back in Wood, Woodboro, Wood, Woodsboro, Woodsboro. and
0: and that's Illinois. And they, and, uh, he and Sam are in Southern California. Mm -hmm. So pretty removed from every, everything.
2: Yeah. So it it seems unlikely that he's one of the killers. Um, but it turns out once again, there's two killers.
0: So, yeah. And, uh, we'll come back to like the, the full reveal and that kind of like end sequence. Um, So that's kind of rounds out like the new school cast of characters Um, out of the returning um, some of the OG cast, uh, Skeet Ulrich reprises his role as Billy Loomis. He's only really present in um, figments of Sam's uh, imagination, but they did like really killer uh, CG work on him where like it didn't have that weird like uncanny valley thing where it's like, oh, what's going on with that face? Like it looked legit to me. It, it looked pretty on point. Like how he looked. Um, did in you find 1996. out how they, how they did that?
2: Was it actually CG? Yes, I looked that wow. up.
3: Yeah. Oh shit! I just assumed he aged really well because I haven't seen him. He in has any-
0: aged. Oh. He has has aged pretty well, but I mean, he's got he's got some lines, and so that they smoothed him out also it was like
2: a capture that they then touched up with cgi yeah
0: cuz actually i okay. saw um i saw some uh on set photos on instagram and he's like they 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 did his hair like he had it in the original one that that mm-hmm. 90s kind of mop top um and he had like the the white shirt and all that um and so yeah they they did some mocap on him um and i mean even without like you know it was just a behind the scenes shot. He still looks pretty good. Like it does, it, it didn't, it wasn't like somebody that looked, Oh my gosh, they look really, really old. And they're trying to make them like extremely like um,
1: the Irishman where like, instead of just having yeah. the, like, cause there's that weird line of like tell when they have the actual actor's body versus like a, a body double, because that was the thing the Irishman did kind of weird was like, you could tell that it was the body of a 7 year old man pretending to be younger, but like, and when I saw uh, Billy, I was like thinking, okay, actually uh, the body of the actor is just like a face transplant with some like voiceover done over it. Like that, that was kind of one thing I always wonder nowadays whenever I see de-aging done.
0: I mean, it's, I think with going off of those behind the scenes photos, he's in full costume. So I, I think it was him, uh, the whole way but we're also talking about not as big of an age gap where the Irishman oh, totally. like what yeah. was a little egregious about that is you have a 70 plus year old man playing himself as a 20 year old man like th- I think that's
1: too big of a gap um, oh yeah no and and you're kind of right that Skiel Rickstone is looks is definitely pretty healthy and like looks pretty young for his age yeah uh, not, not that he's that old I should like be uh clear on that they, so, I think they uh, did this
2: oh. purposefully, but they—I think they also put sort of like a spectral filter on him and made him look a little less alive. Um, he looks ghosty. A little ghosty, yeah. So yeah. I, I wasn't sure if that was a CG thing or or not, but it seems like maybe it was just an intentional filter. Now that we know that how they did that,
0: yeah, I mean, probably. I think that probably helps with not getting into that uncanny valley um, territory. And then I think it also lends itself well to, you know, that it's, it's not pure reality. It, you know, it's part of her mental illness um, that she's having these visions of him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then outside of uh, Skeet Ulrich returning, um, Sheriff Judy Hicks uh, comes back from the fourth one, you know, I, I dug mainly that they focused on OG cast, but I, I liked her in the fourth one. And to me, that was like a logical thing that like she was so gung-ho to be a cop that, you know, it, it makes sense that she would have stuck around. um And then I think it, it put a little more skin in the game in terms of Wes as her son being a part of the new school characters. And then, like I said, um we come when the uh, young kids are first looking for somebody to help out, they go, okay, well, we, we know we know a guy and it turns out that Dewey Riley still lives in Wordsboro, but he's kind of like off the grid um, seems to have a drinking problem and he's no longer with Gail Weathers and he, he seems pretty worse for the wear that uh, you know, his traumas hit him pretty hard and he's initially, mm, I don't want to help y'all out. Eventually comes around and uh, you know, gets back in the game and he does the task of reaching out to Sydney and Gail to let them know that these murders have picked back up. And little by little the pieces fall into place and Gail and Sydney eventually come back as well. Gail is uh, basically like the host of the equivalent of Good Morning America in the scream screamer And Sydney is uh, married, has kids, just momming it up. Um, so but I think that that um, that scale was very interesting. So let's talk a bit about that, where these um, OG characters are. I liked that Sydney was not the most trauma ridden one because for the first. Maybe not quite the fourth one, but definitely the first three. She is the most trauma ridden one. And I liked that they they had her get beyond that. And she still gets drug in this. And having David Arquette be the most trauma ridden one, I think it showed like a a pretty good range on him that you don't usually see. He's more known for his comedic um, parts, and uh, he honestly, to me, he broke my heart. (laughs) This whole movie, it's his his arc is
2: very sad. (laughs) Yeah, just watching a plane crash in slow motion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. Yeah,
3: I enjoyed it though. Like as much as you hate to watch a plane crash. It was it was really nice to see him show that range.
1: Well, and also like there's kind of two ways you could look at the performances of the returning actors is like, you could see it as, oh, you see him after four movies or, oh, this is a direct like follow up to the first movie it kind of adds an added layer of like kind of tragicness which I thought that this arguably could work where like you in theory could watch the first movie and the fifth one. And the whole, the reaction to the performances adds a little more weight to it. Kind of like y'all said, like you're like, oh, the huge jump of like, we as an audience that know the movie well can fill in the gaps to where like, but it kind of having that mindset, it, it kind of adds a whole other layer of subtext, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because really, um, even though the fourth one returns to Woodsboro, the the premise is is way you know the, the killers aren't trying to pay homage to these original killings it it's it's still different even though you know it, it it's in the same setting and obviously then 2 and 3 i, I those feel very disconnected in terms of like um i don't want to say being derivative but like the killers having some sort of there's inspiration there, but with the setting being different, I, I don't know. To me, it, it feels yeah. a little well, little I more that, disconnected.
1: I thought that was pretty interesting because, like, the the relationship to 2 through uh, 4 is kind of like they're like the stab movies in the universe uh, 5 for the most part. And so, like, kind of – so it's kind of fun to look at 2 through 3 as, like, oh, they're basically the stab movies they're referencing. Uh, so, it, I don't know. I think there's definitely that kind of interesting dynamic that can kind of play into it. But like, um, but um, I mean, it was kind of fun kind of a, a disconnect, but also top of the relationship too. But um, I mean, overall, I mean, I'm definitely with you. I thought like uh, David Arquette did a pretty good job because he, he's definitely one of those actors that was kind of typecasted pretty early on in his career. Kind of was like the good looking idiot, I guess you could say kind of casting. He's in that great documentary, uh, You Can't Kill David Arquette where it kind of talks about his relationship to his typecasting role. But well, I it's mean, more
0: so about mm-hmm. him wanting redemption from with professional wrestling, which is yes. very very. A lot of people, I, not everybody knows that about him. That he's like went back to professional wrestling um, and was doing like indie wrestling shows, and he's like this huge star. Yep, almost wow. getting killed. It's pretty bonkers, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, good documentary for the listeners if you're if you're interested at all in David Arquette or professional wrestling.
3: Fuck, I'm interested. i writing that down. Or just
0: how strange celebrity is. Um,
2: I did uh, just talking about the cast of characters and such. Like I did like the way that they melded the new and the old together. Yes, because this was very much the new school's like movie, but it roped in the old old timers at an appropriate point in time i feel like so like it they bring in dewey and then gail gets roped in and then sydney finally gets roped in yeah and so they made it so that the the old crew wasn't like stealing the show basically from the from the new
0: i totally agree i think that was so very well executed
3: they still kept it at an appropriate pace too like they have that conversation with the kids where gail and sydney are like yeah we're just gonna kill him like that's i know
2: yeah. I love that when they just show up and they're like, they're like, okay, we're going to be ghostbusters now. We're just going to go murder some slimers or whatever's in there.
0: Yeah.
3: They just they, they had no time to fuck around. They've done it so many times and they're just old hands at it. It's like, yeah, I got mm-hmm. my kids. I've got some play dates. Let's just kill some people and get it done with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I, I that was, I think what I really liked about um, Cindy's portrayal in this, uh, especially is that she's so strong from her trauma that she's just like, now this is what I, what I fucking do. I, I, you know, I, I kill the murderer and move on. <laughs> so yeah, which is, um, I think well, it was great.
1: And also play it differently than like, say the way that the Jamie Lee Curtis character was uh, approached with in the newer Halloween films. Uh-huh. There's kind of an interesting duality to kind of like how that approach. Well, I feel like, that David Arquette kind of had that role of like
0: i i i'm going to be you know the example of trauma um and so let's go ahead and talk about like where his arc ends because i, I to me i think it's one of the most um uh, gnarly and powerful moments in the in the film um he seemingly saves the life of Tara, Sam, and Richie uh, all one fell swoop. There's there's a, an attack, out of a couple different attacks at the hospital, <laughs> and um, Dewey's on his hero shit. You think he has dropped the killer? Dro- uh, sh- shoots him a few times, and they're about to all escape. He pushes everybody into an elevator, and he says, "No, I'm going to go back. You got to you got to shoot him in the head. You got to shoot him in the head." and the killer gets the drop on him. And maybe one of the gnarliest kills in like Scream history, double blade, stabs him in the gut, stabs him in the back, and then like basically saws him in half. Um, and then great line, the uh, the killer says, it's been an honor, which is a chef's kiss. Cause it not only like, I think it's a good send off for the Dewey Riley character if you're gonna kill him off, but um, it, you know, it loops into that like these killers are obsessed with these uh, you know original players of uh the original killings, and paying homage to this and and making their own movie, um. So obviously, like Dewey Riley, Gale Weathers, Sidney Prescott, those they're like royalty. Um. So. Obviously, I think we were all expecting at least one of these OG cast members to die. Um, and another spoiler Sydney and Gail make it out alive. Dewey's the only one that dies. Uh, well, I guess if we're gonna count Sheriff, Sheriff Judy, uh, she gets brutally murdered in daylight, which uh, I mm-hmm. was a big fan of, of that uh, because you don't get that much in Scream films or horror movies just in general. Yeah. Uh, but out of like the OG cast, um, I knew one of them had to go. I honestly was not expecting Dewey. I thought they were going to really put a stamp on the Sydney arc and kill Sydney.
3: Ooh. Oh, did, I had. To did anybody have time. any
0: expectations of of the OG cast um, getting killed before we watched this? What would you say?
3: I thought it was going to be Gale.
0: Okay, Gale, just Gale. N- n- nobody else.
3: Just Gale. Just okay. mostly because. Uh, uh, Dewey was so sad and so pining for Gale at the beginning of the movie, and I was like, "Oh, she's gonna come back, and she's gonna get got and then Dewey's gonna go all Hawkeye on him." Mm-hmm. Um, I also remember thinking when during that scene where he gets double stabbed, "Oh, he's come back from worse than this, right?" In like two and three, and then they used all of their gore budget to make a bunch of organs hit the floor of the hospital, mm-hmm. and Just like oh, a never. Yeah. Never mind.
1: Yeah. Well, before I saw the five trailer, I always assumed Scream Four would have been Gail dies in Scream Four, and then I saw the trailer. I'm like, oh, she doesn't die in Scream Four. Uh, so I, my, my money was either. I, at first, I was expecting uh, Sydney, but then I'm like, okay, in kind of like. What's that uh, trope term? You're a Mary Lou when like you're basically uh, someone dies on behalf of like another character, uh, a Mary Sue or a character or something. And then I, don't, the, I don't know that. Basically, and because um, usually in the beginning, when we introduced Sydney is a mother of kids and married, you're like thinking, oh, is that indicate that she's going to die? Mm, yeah, I, that's what. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so and I would have low-key hated that because I'm like, oh, they only gave that as a drop away just to give us emotional reaction if she were to. But I think it gives a little more weight to Dewey dying because in a way, this is like his redemption uh equally as unfortunate because it was kind of like baited that like oh he's someone on, on he's a low point in life he needs something to basically ought, reclaim his honor and so I, those two kind of giveaways i think were my kind of indicators that one of them would die but
0: anybody else have any thoughts on this
4: I didn't necessarily expect them to kill off any of the main characters at this point. Like, oh, okay. I mean, we're, like, so far in, that, and they could have already played that card that I was like, I don't know, they might just keep it going. Um, I was very saddened by the fact that it was Dewey that died, but I also kind of get that sense of, like, he deserves some relief and some rest, you know? So, like, if yeah. that's how he, that's the only way he gets it, then good for you. <laughs> hmm
2: wasn't necessarily expecting it, but it was nice to see him get a little bit of like a hero's death.
0: Yeah, in a way. yeah. I I honestly think that it was a smart move to kill at least one of the original cast because it 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 upped the stakes. It really really upped the stakes, and I do think that kind of you know what you were mentioning about like that we've become so conditioned to like, Oh, okay. They're, they're going to just milk these for all they're worth. And you know, it's name recognition. So like, we have to keep David Arquette in these, we have to keep Courtney Cox and Nev Campbell. Um, and, uh, I kind of like the artistic integrity of like, we got to ice one of these people. Um, I, I will say I, it was, it's a little convenient that Sydney lives. Cause I, I, I I personally, I'm good with, and I, l- I adore this series, but I, I'm good. Like, if they made another one, I'd watch it, but I don't think they need to. Um, but, really, convenient yeah. that, like, the main, main, main character uh, lives.
2: Yeah, the,
0: this really could be such like a,
2: could be a handoff movie to me, so taking the, the franchise and handing it off to the next generation. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we got on uh, screen six that barely had any Gail or Sydney in it. Maybe, maybe just like a quick cameo or something.
0: That's Sam and Tara's story.
2: Yeah. Or, yeah. or some other group, um, somehow related to this.
0: If, if they did do a sequel, we're kind of jumping at a different topic, but that's okay. If they did do a sequel, I wouldn't want to see it unless it was Sam and Tara's story because now I think like, especially if you're doing that kind of like a uh, passing of the torch thing, I don't want to see it, see it pass to just some randos. Um, because now like I, I feel like Sam and Tara are like the Sydney and Gail. Um, so I'd rather see their story continue, um, and see, you know, like how, how they're getting on in their relationship and with their trauma.
4: Yeah. Don't worry, Matt. Uh talking about sequels is very on brand for this movie, but um you have to call it a requel.
1: Yes, you're <laughs> correct. I'm sorry. A requel. Well, the one question I have for y'all, since y'all probably saw the scream four when it came out, uh did y'all kind of think that was the bookend, or like did anyone like kind of think see, that
4: I didn't see scream four till last year, dude.
1: Okay. I, I saw it, in theaters. Um did, did you think that they were going to probably like, oh, they'll totally have something for a fifth one. Or do you kind of think this is the book end? Um, Cause each sequel kind of surprises people in a way. Like you don't think they'll have content. Like I was that person. I didn't think the fifth one would have really much of a thing to say, but not like...
0: necessarily because the, the fourth one came 15 years after the original. And to me, it seemed like, oh, we're doing a, a one-off and mind you, like this was kind of in this interesting spot that was right before the, to borrow a term from this film, the, the requel craze in, in horror films. Um, and so I don't know it like, yeah, it, it didn't necessarily seem like it was going to be a, like the, the newest Halloween trilogy where it's, you know, planned out to be more than one, uh, film beyond. So I, I just thought, okay, we did scream Four, and it's, that's the end of the story. Um, but I don't necessarily think there's anything about that film. That's like, you know, that's kind of what we were talking about earlier where it wasn't so final. Like, you know, you didn't have a Sidney Prescott being killed off or something like that, where it was like, okay, like, how are we even doing a film after this? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a good ending in that regard because it wasn't a complete like cliffhanger that we we're now waiting, you know, um, another 10 years <laughs> to, to get a resolution to. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't get, have that thought when I saw it.
3: I feel like if Scream 4 had been the end, that it would have been kind of like a fizzle. Like it wouldn't have gone out with a bang. Um And having seen Scream 5 now, I feel like they were trying to do something similar with 4, but actually succeeded with 5, where they were trying to go back Mm -hmm. to Pittsburgh And they were trying to include family and family ties to the town and trying to revamp the series with a younger cast and kind of make you care about them and introduce old characters as well. And they did all of that in both movies. It was just way more successful in 5 for me.
1: It's like for them, Scream 4 was stab 8. Uh, I guess kind of you could say like to kind of quote one of the characters. I don't think it's on that kind of extreme level, but I'm kind of wondering if that's what they're kind of hinting at because.
0: Yeah, to me, I, I don't think it's quite that. I think that was more a shot at like, you know, how there's like seven Saw films. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, like that it too, was more that a shot too. at that sort of uh, thing, yeah. I think. Oh, that too. Uh, um. Let's move into kind of how this movie resolves Um, along the way. Most of the younger part of the cast um, are by the time that this movie kind of reaches its crescendo have been killed or are going to be uh, shortly. And it kind of all uh, comes to a head at a house party. And I'm trying to remember, is it Amber that threw the house party? It's her place. Okay. It's her house. Yeah, It's her house. Which Um, is the original scream house. Well, I want to talk about that because that was honestly one of my favorite things of the whole film, because you kind of show up to this just like pretty, just seemingly like run of the mill high school party. You know, it is very much kind of like a, uh, Classic like Midwestern home that's in a horror movie sort of vibe, but nothing about it is like indicative of of anything, you know, remarkable. It's just a house. They're partying. And when the party starts to wind down and the, the killing ramps up, there's this amazing reveal that they're in Stu's house from the first film. I lost my shit. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if anybody heard me, but I was like, oh, my gosh. I was trying to whisper. Um, I loved it. I thought that was super, super rad and, you know, very, very poetic. It goes back to the site of where everything began. And obviously that is uh, Richie and Amber's intentions. And uh, Amber has become a bit of a freak from living in this house. (laughs) Um anybody else uh
1: mark out for that reveal? I like how like you say how kind of slight it was. Like there was no establishing shot, there was no like multiple winks to the audience. We just
0: were like in the house and it's like yeah. lights are low, there's like Whoa. DJ
1: lights and, and shit. And, and if I recall, they even hinted at it earlier that like, oh yeah, we're in my uncle, we're in like my uncle's house or we're in, um, not in my uncle's house, but we're in like a there was some throwaway line that kind of hinted that it was, but we just went over our heads. And that's just how good it was because it knew where to give the hint because we were so distracted by the story, the noise, of the party, it was very like quickly thrown in because it knows us, the audience is looking, it's like magician act. You want to like distract yeah. your audience basically.
0: Well, in cinematography wise, they did such a good job because until they do that reveal, it's all tight shots. You know, you have as wide as it goes as maybe medium shots and it's all like focused on character conversations and we're not doing like wide shots where there's a lot of like mise-en-scene where we're like, Oh, wait a second. I recognize that living room. I recognize that chair. Um, everything is just really, um, really just people focused. And so it's right under our nose, uh, which I think was really, really well done because usually when you get these kind of like oh, big shocking reveals, it's like a character driven thing. So for the fact that it was like setting, I I loved that because I don't I don't know like, that doesn't happen very often in movies. Um,
3: they so also once it- oh god, they packed that place full of people. Mm-hmm. So then when you really don't see it until Richie's you know standing at the door going get out, I'm saving your life, I'm saving your life which is true and very funny, but he's just like, come on youths out of this house. And then the people clear out. And then you can really see like what the countertops look like in the kitchen and how the stairs are gotten and around and how the living room's laid out. And yeah, actually that was spoiled for me by the intro to the movie, you know, the pre um, the pre trailers stuff. There was somebody like reviewing movie trailers or whatever. And she said that it's going to take place in Stu's house in huh. Yeah, they, oh. Yeah, so I was watching those because uh, I kinda like it. And just watching all the movie trivia and stuff and didn't reveal or didn't realize that it Boo. was the I'm glad to I didn't I didn't. That. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was gonna be as big of a deal as it was because it was spoiled by something pre-previews. But that's yeah, lame. It was still very fun.
2: Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they did a ton of fan service in this movie, and that was kind of the Icing on the cake.
0: Did it like. feel heavy-handed to you, though? Because to me, none of it—it—it
2: it, it, it felt heavy-handed. Like I feel like they could have gotten away with like five percent less of okay, the like sorry. of the like self-referential stuff and whatnot. I don't think it detracted from the movie that much, but there were a certain number of times where I was just like rolling my eyes a little bit at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoyed it for the most part. It was it's very on brand for the, for these movies.
1: I agree. It's definitely on brand. It definitely like, it just, it just, it balances just vaguely close to like going, teetering over just in right. it it, it, it hovers uh, like, you know, like seeing like a, uh, like the boyfriend, like watch the stab movies and talk about, Oh, it's no longer. And like, we, we get it. Like they kind of reminded you quite a bit, but at the same time though, I think what saves it is like a brand said, like it, it, it's in tune. It's kind of in homage. It, it makes sense in the universe of scream. Right. Well,
4: and they're using it as part of the story too. So it's not just an homage. They're actually using it to drive plot too. So, and I think that's why, so that extra 5% is excusable for me because otherwise, yeah, I would just say like, Oh, it's just on brand. I've gotten used to the fact that screen movies yep. are going to be very referential. Uh, but yeah, I think because they use, those references and the whole requel thing as, as part of a driving plot point, it it helped excuse how it
1: It, it was intentful. It was very, there's very much intent and very intentional use of it. And some Um, of
3: the references were new. Thank God.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that that was, I think it
0: felt very contemporary, especially Mm -hmm. when they're talking about kind of the more high art horror. Yeah. They were yeah, just like, let's, let's list off every a 24 produced <laughs> horror movie. Cause they are, they are, they are very like artsy takes on, on horror films. Um, and they are very different than, than slasher films. Um, I want to come back to the, the meta screamisms um, Cause that's definitely like its own talking point that we can go pretty deep into. Um, and basically talk about kind of how this movie ends. Um, so, this is where the red herrings start to really run wild because it's, you know, revealed once they get kind of the most of the riffraff out of the party, it's basically our main cast. Um, and then, you know, things start to kind of shake out. Um, I dude, I thought Liv was a killer for like pretty much, like right up in, until you know it's revealed that she's not um she seems sketchy as fuck but also i kind of like eh, there's a high potential she's a red herring but she is sketchy as fuck <laughs> so she's, yeah, the one, she was just really weird and like uh, you know um
2: the one thing that everything about me,
0: her was her energy was bizarre
2: yeah the thing that made me believe she was a killer was um when she storms off and then Um, Her boyfriend, uh, Chad, goes off to look for her, and um, he's, like, looking for her. I failed to mention
0: that they were a thing, sorry.
2: But her, he's, like, he, like, asks to see her phone location or something like that, and she accepts it.
4: No, he gets gets an automatic invite to see her phone location. So you don't know where she's at. He's looking for her, and then it just pops up on his phone.
2: Yeah. So... And then the killer immediately comes after him and it, it seemed like maybe that was, yeah, live, no, die. <laughs>
0: um,
2: I,
1: the utilization but, of like technology and it was pretty cool. Like that was yeah. a nice little inclusion.
2: So just yeah, her, yeah. her phone being involved in that scene made me think like, is she the killer?
4: Well, and then when she, cause she shows up like just a couple of scenes later as well. And you're like, what the fuck? Why weren't you not here? Aren't you supposed to be dead in a yard somewhere?
0: <laughs> and so, yeah. So like mayhem ensues. Um, and there's, I, you know, I think several different um, red herrings. I, there's a, kind of a red herring, uh, Richie as red herring it like until he's not because then, Uh, the other killer is revealed and it's seemingly one killer and then it's two. I'm going to be honest. I was expecting a third. I thought this is how they're going to differentiate from the others. I, I'm not necessarily mad that they didn't do that. Um, maybe it was a, a missed opportunity, but I don't think it required it. But the whole time I'm like, okay, where's the third? Um, obviously that doesn't happen. And once it is revealed that Richie and Amber are the killers, um, which, you know, we have a nice parallel to the uh, one of the main characters, the boyfriend being the killer. And that was kind of under our nose the whole entire time. And that was seemingly by design, you know, uh, because Richie and Amber are basically wanting to make their perfect requel. And they that's how we get uh, really into the the meta of it all and that, you you know, the STAB movies have become completely bastardized. And what better way to pay homage to this thing that we love by doing this perfect requel where we we, ha- we bring back enough of uh, the original characters. We have new characters. You know, we have connections to, um, you know, past characters. And their master plan is revealed. But Tara and Sam and Gail and Sydney are going to kick some ass and they dispatch of, uh, of them and that's basically where uh our movie ends after some pretty gnarly battles too uh everybody's pretty fucked up by uh by the end um some yeah, stabbing the, in the guts uh bullet wounds
4: the gore in this one was definitely turned up a bit
0: yeah oh, quite a bit yeah so that's uh, basically where, where it ends um let's talk about that reveal those those killer reveals what everybody thought of them as the killers um
4: with disappointed richie, stoked with richie i was like continually thrown off a lot of the for a lot of the reasons that we talked about earlier um and then the first time i had an inkling was when they're still when tara's still in the hospital and um everybody's like gone off the floor and she goes out uh, outside of her room and sees the security guard dead on the ground and then Richie shows up like just shortly after that that was the first one where I went he was
0: like getting snacks or something Uh,
4: yeah and like he like yeah and he she's like hiding behind the door and he opens the door on her and that was like a moment of Oh, is it him or is it a red herring? And it was what I like, I really could, I just couldn't uh, like figure out if it was a red herring or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the thing that really kind of tipped the hand was him telling everyone to get out. Because up until that point, he was constantly telling Sam, when, when he's at the house, he was constantly telling Sam, like, no, why, why, we, like, we, we shouldn't be alone and, like, telling her all the smart things to do when you're in a horror movie. And then all of a sudden, he comes to a house uh, and tells everybody to get out when there might be a killer and having more witnesses around would be helpful. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> so I, they, they did a very good job with the reveal of Richie for me. Amber, like I said, I was all over the place with her. I kind of just wanted her to die, uh, which, you know, that worked out. But
2: (laughs) yeah, I I liked the reveal pretty well, especially the fact that the killers had their monologue in the original kitchen, just like the first one. That was very apropos. Um, I, uh, the motive was all right. Like, uh, Uh, I'm glad that they didn't feel like they needed to come up with some contrived, like reason for them to be killers. Like in in the past movies, it's been like, Oh, you were my half sister and I was rejected by our mom. And like some of that stuff has just felt really contrived to me.
0: Well, I had Um, heard this and I ultimately I'm, I'm glad about this because I think it would have been fun, but I think it would have been way too hard to explain. I had heard this rumor that Matthew Lillard was gonna come back and be the killer. And they were gonna like somehow explain like that he had survived the the first one. To me, that like has plot hole written all over it. Um, yeah. And yeah. The, the initial like kind of shock surprise of like, oh, it's Matthew Lillard, like he's all scarred up or something from, you know, and he survived. At, once you got out of that theater, you'd be like, Oh yeah, that sucked. <laughs> that was yeah, yeah, that was yeah. not good.
1: Yeah, because if I was expecting the same thing too for the longest time, because I'm you, like did thinking, you hear the oh, same
0: rumor? Yeah,
1: yeah. It, well, and also like knowing how every sequel kind of does something, I'm like, okay, this movie's gonna do something completely bonkers to really almost play into that whole. It goes against our expectation, but also plays into our our fandom of like we want to speculate everything, we want to play every, and also the fact that another requel. The 2018 Halloween movie uh, is kind of in a way I thought I was gonna riff on that the whole idea that like oh the killer escaped and it could be he's on the loose and so I'm like thinking okay they're gonna like hint that Matthew Lillard survived and he's been in prison or in a cell this whole time and he's escaping like will they do that kind of thing to riff on the Halloween movies like I I was literally playing every single plop on my head to think like what what are they trying to riff reference and kind of but without being too tongue in cheek, even though I would love Matthew Lillard in it. I'm with you, Matt. I think it would have been a little too like eye rolly and kind of, it it almost would seem to, it's weird to say this for a screaming because it would seem, almost seem too insane. Like, uh, to like do something that overly explained kind of twist.
0: Right. Um, let's talk about how these killers are dispatched. Like the fucking gnarliest way I think out of any of these movies. Uh, Amber is set ablaze by being pushed onto a, uh, hot stove and fucking Don't <laughs> Richie is, her? is stabbed like 22 times <laughs> because Sam no. finally embraces, like she uses her, like her, you know, the, the being born of a dark seed and mm-hmm. <laughs> embraces the, the, the homicidal maniac inside of her. Embrace from, your dark side. For good, me. yes. Um, Look through you. And like stabs the shit out of uh, Richie. Uh, like totally brutal. And then we think like, okay, so it's the final four. But then both the twins are revealed that they survived. Uh, especially the, the boy. Like I thought he was dead for sure. Oh Yeah. Which I'm kind of glad because it's like okay, like it's 2022. We don't have to have the the you know the the two BIPOC characters be killed first and then like they're gone. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Like we don't need token BIPOC characters. Like it's it's totally I think a a sign that this is like a good like contemporary and woke horror film that um, you know we have diverse characters and they're not just cannon fodder.
1: (laughs) Well, it also plays into the whole that they aren't uh, connected. They aren't. What's the word? They aren't um, they aren't weighed down by the legacy of their uncle. Like they have survived unlike him. So I kind of like that kind of like play on the whole thing.
3: I honestly thought that there was going to be some reveal that somebody was going to be related to Stu because everybody else has a relation in this movie except for him. Mm hmm. And instead, it's just it's his house, which was super cool. But
0: I think that was enough, though. Yeah. In terms of like a connection to him, because. Yeah. um, Because you have that, you know, you have that as the setting. You have the Billy Loomis connection in terms of like the, the movie that that Richie and Amber are trying to, you know, craft here. Um, I also forgot that they shot him a bunch, too, after he got stabbed a bunch. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm reading over the plot synopsis. Uh, <laughs> well, he gets, uh, yeah,
2: he gets stabbed, shot, and then after that, he's able to, like, talk somehow still. Like, his lungs aren't just completely perforated, but that's, that's a whole other thing.
4: Um, setting is kind of, like, a big deal when it comes to horror, whether that be a, store, a story or film or, or however that works. And so, like, it, a lot of times... Um, Something can be classified as a horror film or a horror story just based on its setting alone. Um, So I think the fact that that's Stu's only real connection, like it's still, it's still a huge connection.
0: I agree. I totally agree. Um, Because I think that like, especially with slasher films, the there's something interesting about how so many slasher films take place in you know, kind of no name Midwestern towns, and there's always the house is a centerpiece. We have that Halloween, we have that in Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, we have that in Scream, and, um, you know, even even movies where it's not necessarily a house, the there's a, like a there's still the setting is a centerpiece, like uh in like Friday the Thirteenth. Um, and really where that movie goes off the rails is when they abandon that. And it's, it's, you know, not at the camp. Um, so I think that is like a hallmark and a really, really important thing. And, and the setting becomes as iconic as the characters and the, and the movie and everything. Um, so before we kind of get into different, uh, other little kind of elements that I want to talk about satisfied with the ending, liked it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I was good with it. I I did have a thought since we were talking about the um, potential for a Scream Six. Uh, what if they were setting up Sam to be the next killer? Because and I don't know if maybe that'd be too obvious or if I'm way off base, but um, because she does that weird like you know super stabby killing, like she kind of goes off the rails a little bit. I get it because you know it was a heightened adrenaline and all that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, the tapping into the Billy Loomis of it all, and then. At the very end, when she asks Sydney Prescott if I'm gonna be, she's like, if I, Am I gonna be okay? Or something like that. And Sydney's yeah. like, Yeah, you will. And Sydney Prescott was okay, but that doesn't mean Sam's gonna be okay. And um, I think we talked about it, Rachel and Brandon and I were talking about it on the way back. Like mm-hmm. the way that she delivered that line was incredibly weird. And I don't know if it just had to do with the way she was acting it or what, but like it seemed
0: very like she's standing over her shoulder while she's just going like stab happy, and she's like, oh fuck,
2: <laughs> I'm gonna have to come back and kill this girl in <laughs> <Yeah>. ten years. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Um,
4: so I don't know. It's yeah, scary. just that, that that particular interaction was just weird enough that I was like, when we were when you were talking about her going all Billy Loomis happy on on Richie, I was like, oh,
0: that's an yeah. it, that's an interesting thought. Movie. Um, they would have to be very careful with how they did that, because I almost think that it. you can't you can't do the classic stream thing of of it being a reveal. I think you'd have to, like, let the audience in on that, like, she's the killer the whole time.
4: Maybe follow um, her from the beginning. Yeah.
0: I don't know how awesome. successful that would be, but it's it's an intriguing idea it'd be that, a, that's different. It'd be than an in interesting, other
4: yeah. And it'd be an interesting revamp, an, an interesting way to like keep the franchise alive without repeating the same thing
1: over and over again uh, yeah it, it would i i'm a little wondering if because like i know we've seen bad examples of that kind of thing like halloween four and five for instance that whole notion of like um like what is inherited by our legacy uh like not to give away too many uh hints of what Halloween four and five is like if those who haven't seen it but like it's it's that whole kind of similar idea of like oh will they be okay Knowing that they have a relation to a killer. And I don't know, I would almost want them to do like a Halloween six, like when there is something a little more like substantial in our culture. But the thing is, like, we as just current residents of our culture, we won't really know until it happens, or at least after it happens when they reflect it back to us. Like, I never thought they would do a horror film about toxic fan culture until Scream Five came out. I'm like, oh, right, this is ripe of content and ideas
0: and I want to I definitely want to come back to that but Brandon you had a thought
1: I was just going to say I thought that
2: they were going to take her psychosis in a different direction in the movie Um, I when that attack happened in the cafeteria or sorry I guess it was a break room at the hospital at the very beginning I was kind of wondering if she had um just had a psychotic break and was imagining that attack and that maybe um that was, there was going to be like some unreliable narrator type thing going on with that. Um,
0: just got me thinking. Okay. Your kind of idea of like a disassociative disorder and then like Amanda's idea. So like maybe you don't have to clue in the, the audience. Like maybe she, the killings start happening again. And then it re- it's revealed at the end, like she's been the killer all along and she, and her, yeah. You know, her mental health issues have completely overtaken her and she's completely gone into this like disassociating, like she's becoming her father and she's not even so realizing.
1: Green. So it's like That's malignant. That's a little convoluted, but I'd fucking watch it. That's, yeah. Let's yeah. send the script. Let's do it. <laughs> yep, yep. And like it, Greenlit. <laughs> it'd be it'd be like malignant where like she doesn't really realize what's happening. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Okay, that yeah.
0: would be the oh, movie. Fuck, that-, that movie's already been made. Oh. Damn it!
3: But it would be the movie that Amber and Richie were trying to make too, because they were trying to make her into the bad guy. They were trying right, to yes. ease
0: yeah.
3: and- the killer and put her away for it, so that they would get away scot free. Uh, there might you know, be something here.
4: But I think we got to keep it. We got to go. We got to we got to pitch this to the producers.
0: There might be something there. It might also be franchise killing. <laughs> but okay. it's There's an intriguing uh, thought about that, especially, you know, even if they didn't fully lean into that. I think if they if they revisit these characters and do another sequel, I think they have to like at least explore that because she tapped into something that, you know, helped save everyone but it was so primal and brutal that i i think she may have opened up a side of her that could be problematic it's better not so, awaken anything in me <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so uh i i do want to um oh geez what we what were we going to talk about jimmy you mentioned something and i said let's come back to that Toxic fandom. Toxic fandom. Um, let's talk about that being a centerpiece of this, of, of why uh, the killers decide to, you know, make their their movie, that they were offended by the fact that they were considered toxic fans because we're not toxic fans. We actually love and care about um, the these movies. And obviously, like, that is very contemporary. It's very relevant. We, you know, we see that that's, a really um, problematic but interesting thing that's, that's happening in our media. Uh, and sometimes it's kind of done in a nice way and you get Deadpool made. And then, you know, sometimes it's done in a really aggressive way and you get Zack Snyder's justice league. And, you know, I personally think that that ended up being a good move, but what happened along the way, like, like, I don't know like those fans are were, were pretty
1: brutal um, and and even some like other examples are like Last Jedi or the all-female cast of Ghostbusters remake back in like 2016
0: so that's toxic fans not wanting to get something made but they're uh-huh. attacking people f- for having made something
1: yeah like those are the two like most prominent like at least in my recent memory of like like okay this is getting a little out of hand like yeah
0: um
3: or when the fans bullied that production company to make Sonic the Hedgehog look better.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's maybe too much power for fans at this point. Um, and I think sometimes like it can yield good results. And then sometimes, um, you know, especially if, if we're harassing or cyberbullying people just for having been in a movie or been a part of it, um, undeservedly, that's completely not cool. So I think it was an interesting thing to comment on this because Scream is definitely always been a vehicle for some sort of commentary. Maybe not like that woke of commentary, but it's usually it's a commentary on something. It you know whether it's media consumption or uh, violence in movies. Um, but this felt very contemporary to modern times because like I think you would have tossed out the term toxic fandom and like the second screen, we would be like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> because like this could only exist in like this age of social media, I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it was very on point for our, our time. I think. Did you all enjoy
0: it though? Did it feel like a cop out of like, okay, really? <laughs>
1: It made sense because I like that this one grasped at not just what's in horror culture, but also what's in just culture period, because kind of, like I said, it kind of almost reminded me of like the reaction to last Jedi or a few other like non horror IPs that the fans felt some entitlement, some like you ruined something that I loved, Therefore I will attack you in return. So I, I thought that was really a smart move because I think if we're only staying within the realm of horror, then that can kind of run its course. But the thing is horror in itself is a reaction to what's in the culture. Therefore Scream should react to what's in the culture, not just what's within horror.
0: I think it helps that if they're going to do that commentary that this film was not a product of toxic fandom, nor really have any of the sequels been a, a product of that. Because I think it would be tone deaf if it was, and then they were like, oh, we're going to make a big statement in this, <laughs> you know, it, it would be very hypocritical. So I think it, um, it worked. It might be kind of, uh, you know, pot shotting at some, uh, other contemporary films, you know, which is like, I, I heard, um, an interesting take on the toxic fandom thing by somebody. I disagree with this, but, um, I was I saw this review where somebody felt that this film was self righteous by the fact that they um, decided to do the toxic fandom commentary because horror and the scream franchise is so fan driven and they were basically like that was completely hypocritical you know when you have a movie that has like the original cast back in it all it is is built around fans I don't think that just because you were a fan of something that you're necessarily automatically falling into the toxic fandom. Um, Interesting thought though. I, you know, I don't think it was tone deaf though.
3: That sounds like somebody's making an accusation at somebody else when really it's something they're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, very well, very well could be. Yeah. Um, I think
4: this was an interesting way for them to like take current social commentary and then find a way to just drive it further and, and have that kind of commentary on like, If this is the trend that things keep going in this is the direction it could go in um because it feels like that that type of like that horror-esque of take social commentary and and just make it a terrifying option um and so they do i think they do a really good job with using that to have a fresh storyline and kind of make you think about some things
1: yeah I always wondered if they'll do like kind of like a horror movie where the whole notion of like, because a lot of marketing execs were probably thinking, oh, we can kind of almost utilize this like passionate, like insane fandom to get tickets sold or to get like likes on our stuff. Or even we can create algorithms that act like it. Like they keep thinking we can control it. We can control this toxic fandom, but really they can't. Like, I, I'm wondering kind of when we'll get that kind of horror film, like, or at least I'll kind of talk about those types of themes, because there are some times where, and of course, there's no backing on it. Like, there are some times where I watch some shows that get a ton of, like, social media backlash, kind of like, we talked about a little bit about that this with Masters of the Universe's newest series on Netflix, where you could see some negative audience reaction, but then I'm wondering how much is it the reaction or almost marketing utilizing that to get views like you kind of because now it's more of a common play i'm not saying bad press exactly yeah and so i think that type of thought of like oh like at what point are we almost at what point do you really lose control over what you think you can kind of use for your benefit There's kind of like that whole i think that's something that could be utilized in another horror movie in some sense
4: well i think that kind of is a little bit of a part of scream at least the very end or the scream fight. Well, I guess scream um at least the very, very end of it um because they, because the people who were trying to use that ended up getting got, you know, so like yeah. they kind of do tie that back in a little bit.
0: Well, I think the other cool thing is that that's again, just kind of providing commentary on a real world issue. That is very much a large part of, media consumption especially film just adds to the meta of it all and i think um that's probably a good segue to talk about some of the the meta elements i i think we all have come to expect that from a scream film and this movie absolutely did not disappoint um in you know the really laid on thick meta elements but then even the kind of referential or just kind of like Easter egg winky stuff at, uh, the audience. And I would love to hear everybody's favorite meta element or wink at the audience.
2: Uh, Can I go first?
0: Yes, absolutely.
2: My, I think my favorite scene was the basement scene when Amber goes to the basement to get beers (laughs) and, uh, what's her name comes down with her, uh, Mindy. Yes. Um, cause she's like, Oh, you shouldn't be alone during a horror movie. And there's just like this weird tension while they're getting beers and, and they're kind of like, like trying to amp each other up or, or like knit at each other a little bit. Like, how do you know I'm not the killer? How do you know I'm not the killer? You know? <laughs> yeah. So I kind of liked that back and forth and just to sort of homage to the first movie that that had as well. Um, Small. They
0: even say like lines from the the first yeah. movie.
2: Yeah, and there, there was like a great. in the background. There was like a little hidden, um, like ghost face looking outfit, like hanging on on a coat rack in the background. Um, yeah, there
4: was like a black kind of capy kind of thing, and the in the background for sure. That scene was very interesting to me because that was another scene where I thought there was some like weird sexual tension going on. Uh, Between the characters, that I was like, "Are you just gonna start making out now?" Because what's (laughs) yeah.
0: Well, and there Uh, there there could be potential for that because a little bit earlier we find out that that Mindy is uh, is lesbian, so like there could be potential for that. Um, So yeah, but I
4: would have appreciated that scene more if they had done the same garage. Because uh, that they, they they did say basement in that one, and in the original Scream it is a garage. Uh, but I feel like that that could have been hit home a little bit harder if they had done the same like setup of the the garage.
2: Yeah, I think that was before the reveal, though. Mm-hmm. If I remember right. So it was, and yeah. I saw, I'm sure that would they totally changed for
4: that reason to try and keep the reveal of the setting
1: probably yeah, yeah. when
3: yeah. they redid the house they just made that into a basement and covered over that garage door never to be lifted to kill someone
1: <laughs> but yeah. i could I get did, the blood
0: stains out
4: <laughs> i think i was already starting to notice the house setup at that point like it wasn't obvious quite like the reveal wasn't there but uh like it was one of those things where i was like i'd i've this i've seen this living room before and so i think it was Uh, it was and once I realized it was the house it kind of then made me more sad that it wasn't the actual garage (laughs)
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, one of my favorite scenes well I was gonna say Brandon's pick but then uh, another thing kind of came to mind regarding Mindy was the constant back and forth cutting between uh, what's happening to her uncle's reenactment in the movie Stab with what she's therefore going to experience. There's like three different layers of textual reference going on right there. That's, mm. and it, it, it could have been poorly executed in so many ways, but I thought there was like just the right amount of like layering, like, and, and just the right pacing. It didn't over say it's welcome. Uh, but I liked that because it plays in the requel thing where it's only referencing the first movie and then the staff movies that the first movie is connected to. It, it doesn't try to like sneak in two, three, and four all in the mix. It's trying to just stay to, I guess, it's starting to stick to basics. And then kind of a throwaway reference that I liked was like, it it wasn't really referenced like the other Scream movies, but like I thought it was funny when they showed Ghostface with a flamethrower and he's got like butt beefed up arms. And like, like a chrome
0: mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It was like, I'm like thinking this is like an amalgamation of a, a bunch of things and i kind of like that and it was so briefly shown but i'm like okay that's a nice little sum of every like superhero horror it even reminded me of once upon a time in hollywood where leo has a flamethrower in one of those scenes i like it just references a lot and i'm like okay yeah that's kind of amalgamation of what movies we kind of make as a whole yeah and I thought that was kind of tongue-in-cheek i like that rach you got one
3: they used the song. I mean it was just when they stabbed that dickhead ex-boyfriend in the back of the bar, but that was going to be one of mine. They used the song.
0: Yeah, so uh Red Right Hand. And actually I like the way that they presented it where it's in it's on his like car stereo and so we don't even get like a full, you know, needle drop uh, moment. Um but yeah, not, it, so that was especially Easter eggy because it was very subtle. Uh, So that that was going to be one of mine. Um, So I'll transition into um, the other thing that I liked that was winky to the audience. I really enjoyed the fact that really the only original bits of the score they utilized were uh, the moment where it's revealed that Dewey is uh, reluctantly going to help out Sam and Terra, and they go... Uh, back to the Dewey's theme from the original score. That kind of like it's really interesting music. It's like boom, 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 boom. Um, and kind there's of the something western
3: cowboy thing. Uh, no, you should check. It, you should weapon. check it out when
0: we're getting done with this. It's actually okay. like a really pretty uh, piece of music, but it's hmm. it kind of always. I don't know. There's something. It's in every movie that he's in. Um, every Scream film that he's in. Cool. And there's something about it that I think almost just kind of he's the most pure character, uh, I think, because he's he's very, very innocent. And he, uh, you know, arguably has some of the most horrible things happen to him. Uh, definitely in this one, he, he, he is. Um, and he's just like an inherently good guy. He, or He's at least trying to be. Uh, but I liked that uh, callback. And then in terms of a meta thing, the whole sequence up to the point of Wes getting killed is fucking perfection. That like 5-minute long scene where it's all just red herrings of the killer's going to come out. The the classic like, "Oh, I'm going to open up the uh, the refrigerator door. I'm going to close it. Oh, there's nothing there. I'm going to get out of the shower. Oh, did I hear something? Wait, <laughs> I'm nude." no one's there and i I love that like i mean it's it's essentially trolling the audience a bit but i love that uh the tension of that because the whole time i'm like gripping my seat like oh god here comes here comes and nope nope okay the next one definitely the next one (laughs) nope um yeah just masterfully done and then by the time that he actually is killed whoo might be, uh, I have to go David Arquette for best kill, but the the knife through the cheek, great bit of practical effect, by the way, um, but holy shit, that was gnarly. Um, I was going to
4: mention that earlier when you were talking about David Arquette. <gasps> well, that's
0: going to be my next question. What's your favorite kill?
4: And that was yeah, Wes. Knife, <laughs> knife through the so, cheek. Okay. Yeah, knife through the cheek. It was so so gnarly. Um, he it, like that. It just the way that they just focus on it and like watch it. You like watch it slowly go through his cheek. I'm like, my oh. god. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I As far as uh, like that was one of my favorite scenes as well. Or, or sorry, um, the uh, subtle references to the constant uh, goading of the audience. Was really and not cool.
0: giving you that that jump scare that you're expecting, yeah, which is like that's very meta.
4: Um, I also really enjoy every time Ghostface gets beat up. I I, I, I appreciate that so much. That's every time they have that in any classic. of the movies, if Ghostface is just getting the shit kicked out of him, like the hospital scene, he gets fucking railed. <laughs> or I guess yep. she. It would have been Amber in that scene, yeah. but um, yeah, I uh, I enjoy that eventually
0: any any other uh, best kills? Mine's I, du- double blade to Dewey. I like it's. Oh It, it yeah. tore my heart out, and it was fucking brutal. And the double blade,
1: we haven't seen that. That's so badass. I was gonna say that I don't don't recall there being a double blade kind of thing because I'm the worst when it comes to like favorite kills. Because, but then I remembered like for me, I like it when they play against your expectation. Like, for instance, the double blade is one example, but in like Scream 4, where you see someone get killed through the mailbox, like the mail slit when they think they're safe against the door. Oh, right. I, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And I, I always think that's clever when they... It's not necessarily... Did you say the male slit? The male slit, yeah. Or like the... The, the male...
0: Wait, mail,
1: what? Wait, what? Well, yeah. it's like The it male like, slot? It's, it's, slot, yeah. But like, um, it's... I always think it's funny when... Those are like, two different hey, things, brother. You're, you're stabbing the male slit. That's a whole <laughs> other movie. <laughs> well, back to topic. Well, uh, when... <laughs> I always think it's funny or, like, kind of kind of clever when they use something that hasn't been used in a kill before. In this case, I've never seen someone use the male slot to um, uh, basically, like, kill someone with. Right. Uh, but in this case, don't, in, in the universe of Scream, like, you usually just see one knife. So it's kind of cool to see two knives because, like, I mean, you could overanalyze the, the meaning of the symbolism of the two knives, which means there are two killers. So each knife represents one. You can overanalyze that to death, but like, I mean. That was a good comic book guy. Uh, yes, uh, thank you. Uh, that was good.
3: You have to yes. touch the glasses more.
1: <laughs> yes, um, yes. Whenever I feel like I, ever since I got these glasses, uh, I always like to, ironically, like, whenever I over talk about movies or say something that's pretty, uh, nerdy or or like stereotypically hipster highbrow I feel like I gotta do this it's,
4: it's, um, the, it's the well actually of it all yeah the yeah. well
1: actually um yes uh <laughs> in tune to every time I like adjust my glasses nowadays I got like I guess I always feel like it's become like a weird uh, mannerism now I do it ironically just so y'all know dude uh, <laughs> you're, skir- you're skirting around favorite kill you talking uh, about slits? Let's go. What's your favorite yeah. kill? I would say, like, I'm, I'm definitely with you on the te- the cheek thing. That was, because uh, for me, what always makes me react to a certain kill is when you see the actual, like, the exit wound of the knife. Ugh. That, yeah. And also, good sound design. Like, that's always a good, like, factor for me. Like, is, like, when you actually can see that, okay, this actually went through a person because a lot of times the kills are shown off screen or they use, like, it's, yeah.
4: Yeah, no, that's that, a baby swarm.
1: Jimmy's not
0: a body horror person either, so I'm sure I, that made you uh, squeamish. I'm
1: getting better. I'm getting better, actually. Like, for the longest time, my biggest, oh. like, mountain was uh, Hellraiser and, uh, like, uh, Event Horizon. But once I kind of chipped those two out of the way, I'm like, oh, I've seen the worst. There's nothing... Worse than that. Then
0: what you're like, saying is we need to watch uh, the entire David Cronenberg uh, filmography.
1: I, I'm, I'm already, I'm actually, <laughs> actually on that right now, actually. Um, I would like
4: to watch more of the Hellraisers.
1: Yes. But we're getting
4: off topic, I digress. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, no, I'm actually on Cronenberg right now, so I'm okay. chipping away at that. <laughs> so, knife through cheek.
0: Anybody else?
3: I have a favorite. Uh, I really appreciated Amber death um because it was satisfying but also it was because, just kind of like, twofold
0: sorry like uh f- death by fire or <laughs> post fire
3: well it was it was the death by fire because um like a couple minutes earlier in the fight they hit her over the head with this big jug and I hear somebody say like the fuck is that hand sanitizer because it's this huge jug of hand sanitizer and it's kind of like a funny like who has a big jug of that in their house and the answer is well all of us do Everybody. now yeah, everybody does now, but it's usually not in a big ceramic jug. But then, like, she keeps fighting, and she's just weirdly goopy for a while, and then she hits the gas fire. So It goes
0: up like a fucking candle.
3: <laughs> yeah, so that bit where it's like an element is introduced, you kind of forget about it for a while, and then there are consequences to it. I appreciate that whenever it shows up. It was
1: Chekhov's hand sanitizer. Yeah, yeah Chekhov's uh, hand sanitizer. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably the most 2020 reference it made. Yeah. was the hand so many movies are afraid to acknowledge things like masks and hand sanitizer. So it's funny when they utilize that in a clever way. Yeah. Or
0: I've noticed that current current media is acknowledging it, but then then they'll they'll like weirdly explain like, oh, but no one's gonna wear a mask because of blah 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 blah. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a little strange. I've been noticing that with some kind of more contemporary um television where it's taking place in the world of, you know, 2021. 2022 but then they're kind of trying to explain their way out of like why no one's wearing a mask why no one's having you know existential crises all the time
4: interesting <laughs> I don't think I've watched anything yet that wasn't either like fully one way or the other the latest it.
0: season of, we're getting off topic but the latest season of you takes place during COVID and they do a they do a decent job at addressing it and kind of it's believable, I suppose, that it could have been like that period there. Jeez, uh, everything's blending like, together. I don't think really, kind
4: of lifted a little bit and we well, weren't in. Okay,
0: so remember last year when, like, if you were vaccinated, you could, like, right, you didn't have not to wear, wear a mask for a while? I think, like, they kind of explained it in a way that it was taking place, like, during that period. Um, they definitely make some really uh, spicy commentary on anti-vaxxers that I was like, Ooh, give me more daddy. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but it is, it's a little strange because like you're telling me that like every single person in a public place, like nobody's wearing a goddamn mask. It's, so, so anyways, that's a whole nother thing. But I liked that, that uh, reference to Rachel. All
2: I right. Got a nomination. I uh, really liked when Sam killed Richie. was, very much uh, like okay you got them good good okay uh are you done are you are you done oh you're not done you're super not done you're working some stuff okay. out gotcha all yeah. right yeah well this is technically abuse of a corpse at this point but i guess just get it out
1: <laughs> it's you're stabbing you're stabbing a dead corpse like you hey, can take some
0: fucking punishment though my god oh, it oh, takes then- a ridiculously long time to kill him
4: don't yeah. forget the need to like then shoot him like three or four times. Or was that Amber?
0: I don't, no, no, yeah, no. It was back. it was Richie. It was Richie. Okay.
2: I liked too that they never really showed Amber n- being put out, and so I just assumed that whole time that her body was like smoldering in the kitchen, and like the house was going to go up. Um, it did not.
4: I also love that they do the whole like oh like you got to shoot him in the head because they're going to come back again. Kind of thing, and then Amber, yeah. the one that's theoretically like burnt to a crisp over the stove, is the one that ends up coming back. Well,
1: did you also notice that the actress who played Amber that happened to her in another movie once? Who's here seen once upon a time in Hollywood? Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I have. I won't. Say, okay, I won't say anymore. I uh, thought <laughs> like, you just cut yourself off with your. I, but- I didn't. I, I didn't want to accidentally like give a spoiler, so I'm kind of cutting. <sighs> That was
0: good. That was really funny. Uh, <laughs> great use of Zoom. I'm just going to stop myself right now and cut myself off with my mute button.
1: Yeah, because oh, I just didn't know it was good. in this movie. You didn't want to give a... But yeah, just watch the movie and you'll see what I mean. Yeah, I didn't give away <laughs> too, too much,
0: but yeah. great film, though. Everybody should check it out. Um, So I want to transition this into wrapping up with ranking the Scream films uh, again, it sounds like we're all kind of not really sure where this is gonna go. There, there, there's definitely room for another one. They, they leave it. I don't want to say open ended, but they, there's, there's Tell pavement. You, there's pavement still, on the road.
4: I'm telling you, Sam's gonna be the killer.
0: Maybe, maybe. Hey, we'll we'll make a pact right now that we'll reconvene for six if it happens. But as of right now, there's five, and I thought it'd be fun to rank these films go around rank these films and we'll start um from uh worst to best on our on our lists, and then give a just a a quick justification why your list is uh what it is and I would also love to know if there are any of these films that you dislike because I I have a hot take once we we do all of that so does anybody have a a definitive list right off the top of their head and a reason why. And, and, uh, if there are any of these that they dislike,
3: I have a a hot take. No, I don't. I have, uh, (laughs) feelings and I want to get it out of the way so that they don't get confused. But the worst one for me was number three because it, uh, seemed to make the least sense in the entire story and seemed to be the one that was most grasping for a reason to exist. Uh, Next would be the fourth one, which seemed kind of, they were trying something, wasn't super effective, but okay, cool. Uh, Number two was just fine, seemed like a perfectly fine sequel. Um, Five
4: next was quite good. And then- Rachel, I can hear Pugs snoring in the background.
3: Yeah, of course you can. He's really loud. You're fine. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, he's getting real loud right now. And he's just moving. If you see my camera move, it's because he pushes my computer
1: it sounds uh. like Pug Pug doesn't agree with your ranking based on the timing of his growls or his mumbles. He's like, oh, I have no. an opinion. I have an opinion on my ranking of Scream. No, he he
3: saw up. all of them because he was with us when we were doing our homework, watching them every Friday night for a month. He's probably got an opinion in there somewhere. But uh, number five was Stupendous and Nothing Can Beat the Original. So Scream one has to be number one.
0: All right. Any of them that you disliked?
3: Not really. They okay, also- kind of like all of them? All right. Yeah. Uh, which one of it is like, we're safer when we're together, and then Ghostface Superman punches out of nowhere? Is that number three or number four? Because that made me laugh for a long time. Oh, I was going to say it was number two. Yeah.
0: Uh, I can't remember now.
3: Yeah, There's yeah. so many moments where just either Ghostface gets, you know, hit in the face with something or, you know, somebody said something witty and then they're all running away doesn't matter they all serve a purpose they're all nice so uh
1: i got my ranking next uh mine's uh very similar uh but i have a few reasons for why mine is why i have a fourth for the reason for number four like basically uh i wouldn't say it's my least it's my least favorite but i wouldn't say it's a bad movie but i had the fourth one as my fifth slot uh and i'll explain why when i explain the fourth slot i have which is number three the reason why is like it could be recency effect, but like I, for me, the third one I agree. Rachel as no point in existing. It's grasping at hairs. It's the most silly and stupid. Yet I kept thinking this is the closest Scream will ever come to like a Scooby Doo movie, uh, in a weird way because I like Scream when it's kind of rolling in that late '90s, early 2000s aesthetic. I think it kind of works in its favor that way especially because the cast is kind of that age, that era. And the writer, um, the writer Kim Williamson's known for doing things like Dawson's, Dawson's Creek, uh, Faculty 1, 2, and 4 Scream. And so I, I, for me, it felt more akin, even though I'm with you, 3 is pretty silly and dumb, but I think part of me likes how kind of silly and dumb and almost soap opera-y it is. Like, it's kind of, it, it's directionless. Yeah, it's also rolling in the directionless. Uh, number three was a hard, the third place thing was tricky because I could go either way with five or two, being the second or third slot. Uh, I think after having some time away, I'm fine putting number two in the third slot, even though it is probably one of the more solid sequels, especially with how quickly it came out after the first one. It came out, like, with, I think, the following year. Like, one of the, I think it is, someone told me it's one of the quickest, like a uh, sequel, like productions that they ever had. They had, they pumped it out. Um, And I thought it was a pretty solid effort. Like, uh, but the cool thing about number five is I, I think I firmly still think that five can work as, if you haven't seen two through four, like five can work as a direct sequel in a way to number one, because it does a good job in not giving the audience too much, but yet trust the audience to kind of fill in the gaps. Like, uh, so I kind of, I, I still think it can work as, as a little direct sequel, kind of like Halloween 18 does to Halloween 1978 or how the new Candyman is to the 92 Candyman. Um, And then, of course, uh, the worst one is the first one. We all can agree on that. Um, Like, I I was low-key expecting to put, I I was like, I kind of wanted to put the first one as the fifth one just to see everyone's reaction. But I'm like, no, that's too easy. It's too easy. But (laughs) the best one and the iconic one is the first one. Yeah. Any
0: of those you dislike?
1: I wouldn't say I just them, but I would say the reason why I put number four on the bottom slot, not that it's a bad movie, but it made me kind of realize that one of my favorite parts of the screen movies is, is that tone and aesthetic of that 90s, 2000s. And I kind of missed that in the fourth one. Right. We got a little bit of that in the fifth one, in a way, kind of a, that throwbacky kind of vibe to it, but it still felt grounded in today's era. Well, the fourth one... I, I guess you could say I wasn't that captivated by the twist. Um, like, I'm not a big Emma Roberts fan as an actress. And so I think there's kind of that in line. Uh, I just never, oh, she, yeah, she's never really screamed out to me as an actress, I guess. And Art so disagree, I disagree, but okay. I, I was kind she of
4: screamed to you. <laughs>
1: Yeah. She hasn't screamed out to me. No, (laughs) Uh, I I was, you were the first one to react to that, Amanda. Thank you. Uh, (sighs) And and like, I I would say, I don't know. I just, I would say, I like the fourth one, but nothing stood out to me or screamed out to me. Okay. Uh, And I'm just, I don't know. I'm a weirdo. I like, I like funny, weird, insane stuff. So the third one was just sort of like that nice little, it was a good, it was a good, like half a bottle of wine kind of Friday night for me was just like, this is a weird, it's like watching Scooby-Doo. It's great. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Anybody else?
4: Um, my ranking is the same as Rachel's. Uh, number three being my least favorite. I think mostly it just didn't keep my attention as much as the other ones. It wasn't even so much that I didn't like it. It was just that I found myself not being as intrigued and wanting to follow it and being as you know heightened in my concern for the characters or anything. Um, so it was just like slightly underwhelming for me um i did enjoy the fourth one and the kind of setup of sydney prescott attempting to move on from the situation she was in uh which i think was a good lead up to the where they put her in the fifth in the fifth one or like they used that kind of story well to put her in the position she was in in the fifth one um so fourth is uh in oh god now i'm losing track of places that would be fourth place (laughs) um and then uh and then Two, five, one. Um, I, well, and, and I am also kind of on the fence with Jimmy where two and five could probably switch back and forth, but I, I liked, I just enjoyed five so much. I, and, and I probably laughed through it more than I was scared, which sounds not like the proper thing to do in a horror movie. Um, but it was just, it was just so enjoyable for me. So I do think that it's got to take the
0: second slot. It had a lot of comedic moments. so I don't think that's super weird. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and and yeah, even though I personally preferred to, I think five was just strong. It could have been so bad. Like five could have been really bad, but it was so smartly executed. And it's, uh, the,
4: the tension was definitely there and it's like, yeah, they had a lot of good comedic moments, but there was definitely enough tension and, uh, um, like i it it never really was outright terrifying but screen movies don't tend to be um and so uh, I like that they kind of played at the tension in weird ways like the goading the audience scene and all that kind of stuff and also, Jimmy, with the '90s feel, it helps that the '90s is kind of coming back as far as yeah. style yep. and fashion goes yep. for the 2000s. Yep, the exactly.
1: Time. Exactly why I kind of like the fifth one with the fourth one. there's kind of just that that there's like aesthetic tone where you know the hipsters are kind of embracing the era in a yeah. way. Yeah. Yep. All right, Brandon.
2: Um, I was in agreement with Jimmy actually. So four, three, two, five, one. Um, I ranked four the lowest just because I felt like by that point, the the motives for the killers kept getting felt kind of redundant and at least three felt like slightly different motive for the killer and was a little bit more memorable for that reason. Um, Two was was a good sequel, but not super memorable for me, honestly, like I remember the ending pretty well, but not a lot of other things that happened in two. Um but five was five was wonderful just because there were a lot of good character send-offs, a lot of new good new characters, um kind of set a new tone for the franchise, I think. Um and then one is just classic. You can't you can't do better than that, I don't think.
0: Um I and I'll ask you this, and I I forgot to ask uh, Amanda, are there any that you dislike?
2: Not really. Um, like none of them make me a toxic fan or anything. If that's okay. that. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe, maybe two was the least memorable of the movies, I'd say. Um, but it was still a decent movie in and of itself. I'd okay, say.
0: Murphy, anything you dislike?
4: Uh, no, not necessarily, even though I rank three last uh I didn't walk away from the movie being like oh this is crap or anything like that um so I I yeah I couldn't say that I actively disliked it like I'd I'd be willing to watch it again
0: well I am team Rachel and Murphy because I am also three four two five one um my thought on that is um I think that three is the weakest of the series, just in terms of writing, uh, acting and and plot. Um, I that does not inhibit my enjoyment of that film. I just think it doesn't hold up as well uh, either, because I watched all these movies um, back to back not all that long ago. And I think every single one of them holds up other than that one, in my opinion. And you know, there are still, there's some things that are like, that's eh, a little dated in all of them, but that one I think is is chalk more full of, eh, it's pretty dated <laughs> uh, moments. But I, I, I think that they were trying to do interesting things, you know, having uh, just the single killer, like that was pretty innovative at the time. They hadn't done that. Um, having the killer have a relation to the main character, that was interesting convoluted but at least they're trying something different but i think the if we're going from the meta aspect the fact that it takes place on the film set of stab that's pretty gosh dang meta um so i i definitely enjoy that film uh four i thought wasn't perfect but i think it had i didn't see the twist coming i thought there were some interesting things i liked that they went back to woodsboro um Two and five are tough for me. Uh, I agree with everyone that said that, you know, really could, you know, go either way. Nostalgically, I would say two is right underneath number one. But I think if I'm ranking these in terms of like, you know, the merits of just the film itself, I th- I think five edges it a little bit with it's just a little bit better executed film, but Two, I love that movie. I absolutely love it. I would go as far as saying I think that it may be the best, if not one of the best horror sequels, just like, you know, number twos. Um, it It's extremely solid. I think the uh, the the things they do in that, especially with uh, the Cotton Weary character, are really, really, really interesting. I love uh they brought him in and uh Leah Schreiber is incredible in that role. But um, so I love two, but I think five edges it uh for me. And yeah, I agree with everybody. One is I think on the short list of greatest horror films of all time. Um uh, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I think it's like slasher films, it's maybe second to Halloween for me um, in terms of like the goat goat status. But here's my hot take on all this. I think that top to bottom, the scream franchise, best horror franchise, top to bottom. There's not a out and out inherently bad one that it's like that movie fucking sucks and name another horror franchise that, that has that, that doesn't exist because nope. there's, Even if you enjoy them and it's kind of like we're shitting on this movie and it's enjoyable, like I feel like that's every Friday the 13th movie. (laughs) Half of it, half of the series is, like, well, more than that. They're fucking terrible. Um, Halloween, same sort of thing. I think top to bottom that, you know, there's varying degrees of uh, quality with Scream, but I don't think there's one that's like, Inherently bad, and I think it is, it's the, I think it's the tippy top in terms of <laughs>
1: franchise. And I think also, like, if you take into account, like, of course, everyone's going to have different criteria for what they consider the best. But, like, in the, if the criteria is character development, uh, consistency, continuity, I think a good ear and eye. For what's going on and the fact that all of them have for the most part the same least four out of five I mean like almost the entirety was uh like captained by Wes Craven that there's a good there's there's, a, there's good hands involved like yeah, the, there
0: the four Wes message at the end like that uh that touched me mm. I, I really enjoyed that, that but sweet. yeah I agree with you Jimmy
1: and like, and yeah, and, and I I haven't seen all the sequels to Friday or like Nightmare, but like, it's like, it, it really depends what you want in a horror franchise. But in terms of like quality and just character, like, I mean, yeah, not that many horror franchises can argue that like, oh, you see actual like development. you actually see characters learn from the past, their their previous actions. They don't, they kind of know what they're getting into. They don't, they don't, they aren't dumb. They're very intelligent, right?
4: Yeah. yeah, and they don't go. The scream sequels don't go so far into like trying to convolute a storyline that would make sense. Like they, there are some that aren't necessarily, Like yeah, there are definitely some that aren't necessarily great or or as well developed as they could be, but they're not trying to make up this absolutely insane storyline to make it work.
0: Well, and even when they kind of do that, which I would argue is three or four, I think that's why those are, if we're ranking them, the, you know, they were on all of our, you know, bottom ends. Um, and uh, I, I think maybe that's be the, that exact reason where they didn't go as far into like, just, Ridiculously, you know, chalk with plot holes, convoluted uh, like other franchises. But they're the biggest stretches where you're like, okay, long lost brother becomes a horror film director. Okay, Uh, you know, Uh. like we can we can accept it, though. It's not like are you that makes zero sense. That's full of holes. Um, But I think maybe that's why like those uh, three and four are are on the lower end if we're with these rankings but any final thoughts on uh I keep saying scream five just because it's easier uh scream 2022 uh and and, or uh ranking these just screams franchise any any final thoughts
1: Well, I mean, there's actually, have any of you seen that cool podcast, uh, like Hello Sydney? Like it, it's basically, like it's like, it's a collaboration between the Final Girls podcast and the Masters of, or the um, a History of Horror podcast. And the, I, I listened to their Screen 2022 review prior to this, but they do kind of a whole span of the franchise. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty cool podcast. Like after listening to the fifth one, I might tune into the other ones. Uh, that's just kind of one little shot I want to do, but like, it's, I, I don't know, it made me kind of curious for more, like, maybe we want to dip into Wes Craven as a filmmaker as well, like kind of work on his tomography outside of his horror stuff, even though that's a big chunk of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, overall, like, uh, yeah, no, they're fun time capsules, like even the ones that aren't necessarily seeped in the nineties and two thousands, like they're kind of a fun little time capsule of an era. And like a period in our culture and also in horror movie culture.
0: Yeah. They were like that first one we talked about it when we reviewed it. So influential. I think it definitely like was a paradigm shift in, in what you could do in a horror film.
1: Yeah. And it's grown on me more. Cause I I'll admit before the podcast that we did, I was kind of reluctant to rewatch the movies because I saw it in a weird format. I saw it like on cable when I was probably way too young to see the first one. Oh, cable, so it was pieces. definitely
0: probably edited for yeah for television yeah Ugh, and, no. and
1: and Can't the longest time like maybe at least for most i think in, until like maybe college i had this trepidation mm-hmm. toward anything that was like 80s or 90s just because aesthetically my weird like at the time my weird like sheldon cooper literal brain was like i don't like this aesthetic what is this this isn't I was very reluctant to watch a lot of those movies and now I kind of got that kind of like, Oh no, I like these now. Like, uh, but like not going to test, I had this weird like confusion, like when I was younger about like, uh, I didn't like eighties aesthetic or nineties aesthetic. I thought it was all just like cringy teen, like sex, sex movies where they're all trying to get laid. And I'm like, I don't want to watch the screen. It It's all going to be that. And uh, that was a little ignorant, but like, uh, now, now I, now I can embrace the aesthetic and I enjoy the aesthetic like more, but like, if you asked me, like, I don't know, like maybe like 10 years ago, I've been like, nope, I'm not going to watch it.
0: <laughs> you know what? I thought, uh, I just thought of one thing that we didn't do. We we didn't rate the the latest oh, yeah. stream, which I think we should do that. And that'll be our, our parting shot. Um, I'm going to go with seven. I'm going to go with seven. Yep. I would say seven. I, I thought it was pretty damn solid that's what i would also not uh, also i i have given um number 2 i think yeah. we all um you know we talked about it when we did the last uh, scream episode of the original that's a that's a hard eight for me
1: yeah i was seven
0: for me as well seven, seven cup
1: yeah like first one's eight second one's like seven third one's 6.5 i really like it fourth one 6.5 and then newest one seven
0: okay fair Murphy, Herzog?
3: This is hard. Uh, because I feel like I always end up in like a seven, seven and a half realm. But I really, really enjoyed this. So I'm gonna do like a seven point three. A little okay. bit of average for me. Seven point three. Uh y-
4: yeah, I guess, I guess 7 will work. I, I I was trying to keep to the full star reviews because that's what IMDb actually does.
0: Um, you don't have to do that. But
4: I, If I had the option to be flexible, then I'd probably do like 7.5 just because I I, I do like it so much in comparison even to the first one. Um, you want to give it
0: a little more, more love but than just a, a, it a seven. little bit
4: but I don't want to bring it all the way up to the 8 because I'm pretty sure that's what I also gave <laughs> the first one, so yeah. Yeah,
0: um, I, I think happy. that would be exceeding like it's it's quality a bit but um any guesses as to what this is currently sitting at on imdb that's a tradition it's here
4: it it's still in theaters right it, it is
0: it is um i mean it's it's been doing crazy box office numbers um okay. and the the amount of ratings definitely reflect that because it hasn't been out all that long and it's already got um 31 000 reviews um Noted. on imdb
2: I guess like a seven point six.
0: Okay, we got a seven point six.
1: Jimmy, you're over there cheating. What are you looking at?
2: i was looking at the
1: you photo cheating, son of, of a bitch. What are you? Doing? I was looking at the photo of the pug that Rachel posted on the feed. Uh, she posted a photo of, of the pug, and I was like looking at that. Oh, okay, I'll, uh, I'll I'll indulge as uh, soon as we hop off here. I'm
0: it's gonna a-
4: go with like six point seven. I feel like nobody ever likes horror movies as much as I do. <laughs>
1: okay, 6.7. I'm, I'm going to guess 7.2. It's got pretty good reception. Okay. At the same time, though, it's like I've noticed not that many sequels like exceed eight on IMDb. Okay.
3: I'm going to go like a 7.7 because the people that are rating it now went out of their way to see it. They paid money to see it in a theater, rather than catching it on cable or whatever
0: it has 7.1 so i mean all right we were all on the on the money in terms of our rating so yeah well i think that's all i've got um thanks so much for hopping on here and uh talking about horror movies uh that's a bad screen voice Gotta work that, on that. That
3: was really bad, yeah. <laughs> that was Hello, more like uh, the guy from
0: Saw. Like, I want to yes. play a
3: game.
2: I play, <laughs> yeah,
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, well, that's not bad. I can do that guy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> all
0: right. Yeah. If you Jing want be
2: in Scream Six, you gotta work on that that uh, voice.
0: <laughs> Did you all see that uh, the original guy came back for for the the? Screen? The scream I voice. I actually
1: yeah. was gonna, ba- I was about to look that up because I was curious to know if it was the same guy throughout same the dude. entire series. Yeah, because right. I remember his name when we looked yeah.
0: him up the last time and I saw him in the credits. So I'm like, oh, ah, voice guy. <laughs> uh,
4: I will have to say that I was slightly disappointed in the fact that they didn't have two different body doubles uh, for, because I know there's always somebody that's a body double that's actually in Ghostface's costume. Um, but uh, they're scene in the hospital where it would have been Amber. That person was way too tall. That's it. Oh, okay,
0: yeah. <laughs> I,
2: thought about, I thought about that as well, but maybe they were wearing platforms or something. Who knows? Like, really? There's
3: all kind of plot things they tall don't need boots to explain to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed is in the daylight scenes, and maybe this is the reason why Ghostface doesn't come out during the day, is that fucking costume sparkly?
0: Uh huh. That, that's been in every movie. Really? Like, like, yeah, <laughs> the, the material, yeah, has like...
3: A shimmer. Shiny. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: I think it's just like really cheap spandex or something.
3: Oh, okay. I've just never noticed it before this
4: time. So I was yeah, yeah. Going like. I'm pretty sure it's made out of the same material as the crappy ghost face costumes. You can pick up at like magic man or spirit or whatever.
0: I think it is. <laughs> yeah.
4: around
3: in.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much for hopping on here. And, uh, I guess we'll, we'll come back together if there's a scream six.
4: Let's do it. Sam. Killer. (laughs) Call it it.
0: All right. Thank you. Okay, my spooky little nerds. That is all I have for you today. Thanks so much for checking out the episode. And thanks to my guests, Jimmy Levins, Brandon Kester, Rachel Herzog, and Amanda Murphy for joining me and discussing... Scream 2022, a.k.a. Scream 5. If you're digging what I'm doing here on Nerds with Opinions, make sure you're following me on social media. Nerds underscore opinions on both Twitter and Instagram and Nerds with Opinions on Facebook. If you're on Spotify, make sure you're following Nerds with Opinions and share this episode out if you feel so inclined. If you're on Apple Podcasts, rate and review this episode. It really helps me out. And also, be following the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're a Stitcher person or whatever you're into, you know, just just follow, baby. Just follow. Be on the lookout for more content coming from me soon. Trying to get back more into the swing of doing the podcast. Got a lot of episodes lined up and in the pipeline. Those will be dropping here soon. Going to be doing a lot more recording. And... 2022 is going to be a little more active for the Nerds with Opinions podcast. Thanks again for checking it out. As always, I am your host, Matt Holbin, and you've been listening to Nerds with Opinions.